It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcast. Welcome to Bulls HQ, a Chicago Bulls podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the show, and thank you to our partners, Indeed and Bet Online, for sponsoring Bulls HQ. On the show today, now that we've had some time to collect our thoughts post the draft, I thought it made sense to do more of a deep dive on the Bulls' most recent draft picks, specifically FSU forward Patrick Williams. I don't know about you guys listening, but I'm certainly no draft expert, and on the post-draft show that we did on Bulls HQ, I was looking at the Williams selection more so on its merits from a, you know, what it means for the team, the rebuild itself, how Williams fits, and less so about Williams as a prospect. So with that in mind, I wanted to do a bit of a, a deep dive, I suppose, into who Williams is as a player, what he does well, what his growth areas are, and to help me do all that is Jackson Frank. Jackson does a lot of work covering all things basketball, but specifically around draft time, he's one of my go-to resources, and in this case, on Patrick Williams, he had a great write-up on Williams up on his Patreon page, which I implore all Bulls HQ listeners to go check out. I will link that post in the description of this podcast so you can actually go and see that. But let's get into it. Let's dive deep and talk all things Patrick Williams. Jackson, how are you, mate? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me today. No problem, mate. Um, like I said, I wanted to get you on and talk Patrick Williams. One, because I, me as a, as a Bulls fan, I, I personally need to learn more about this guy. And, and like I said from the top, one of the uh, one of the key resources, I guess, or one of the key pieces of things I was reading, um, and you know, I was watching a lot of stuff on YouTube as well. But uh, one of the key things that I read was was your piece on Patrick Williams and. I think a lot on draft night, a lot of Bulls fans were kind of confused as to who Patrick Williams was because he wasn't a name necessarily connected to the team at the time with the number four pick. And I know for myself, when the when the jungle drum started beating that maybe Patrick Williams may be headed to Chicago, 
I had to do some late uh, draft prep on this guy because I just wasn't considering him in a number four initially. So, uh, yeah, like I said, that's why I wanted to get you on because your post that you had up on Patreon on Patrick Williams was super in-depth and, and it gave me a good insight into, into who, who he is as a player. And obviously, I just want to transfer that into audio form. But um, So maybe our first question, we can start here and you know, evolve the conversation from this point. But first up, let's, let's start with your initial thoughts about Patrick Williams at number four. I know a good chunk of the fan base from a Bulls point of view didn't understand it at the time. We're kind of warming to it now. But, you know, in terms of your pre-draft boards and those sorts of things, where did you have Patrick Williams on your boards and how did you feel about the Bulls sort of taking Williams at number four? Yeah, so I had I had Patrick Williams in my second tier, which ranged from six through 12. Um, and that was a really, really close tier. Um, so by no means did I think it was like a... a I thought like so. I think uh, like he was basically a mid lottery prospect for me. Um, there wasn't a lot of distinction among my my those six guys or seven guys. Um, and in terms of how how I viewed the Bulls taking him there at four, I thought it was a little um, early. I would have gone Killian Hayes. No, a lot of Bulls fans really wanted him, um, but I do think it makes a lot of sense. I, I think Williams is one of those guys who has a who. You know, part of my Patreon piece that you reference is this kind of idea of value and archetypes. And I do think Patrick Williams, um, if everything comes together for him, does represent a really valuable archetype. And I think the Bulls are a team that could use, you know, a little more upside. So we don't want to use upside too liberally. But I do think, you know, Williams is a guy who, if everything comes together, he's a he could be a top five, top six, top seven guy in this class. And I think that's that's what the Bulls need to do. They didn't need to take a maybe a little safer pick. Um, you know, someone may be like. Denny Avdia, um, who I know the Bulls were linked to an extent. Um, I had them in a similar range, but, but I think at their peak outcome, Avdia versus um, Patrick Williams, I would I would say Patrick Williams has a higher um, level of reach. And so I think in that sense, it was a pretty – it was a shrewd pick for the Bulls, even if it wasn't quite the guy I would go with. But I do think there's a little more optimism that should be um, touted for him than maybe some Bulls fans have reached at this point. Yeah, for sure. I, I completely agree with everything you noted, and that's certainly the way I've talked myself into it. And I guess, I guess the other thing to consider, and what I wasn't initially thinking about, but now that I've had time to collect my thoughts, I suppose, is the fact that uh, well, you know it's been seven, eight, nine months since he's played basketball. I suppose so. It's been a long time since we haven't necessarily seen playing collegiate basketball. So who the hell knows what type of growth he's made in that sense? Maybe it's a little easier for us from an NBA point of view to know and understand how good or bad these players are. But with with someone like Williams who recently just turned 19, in that time that he's had off, like he may have made jumps that I can't see that obviously Arturish kind of shows us may see. So. That's something to consider as well. But, uh, yeah, I, look, I'm, I'm, the more I think about it, the more comfortable I get about it. And if the Bulls can sort of find a way to maybe get uh, – maybe turning more into an on-ball scorer, let's say, which we'll get into a little bit later if he has that ability, then maybe this pick – you know, the, the scope of this pick changes, I guess. But um, look, uh, before we get into, you know, the offensive side of the ball, the defensive side of the ball, what I think I wanted to start with was probably who Williams projects to be as an athlete because I think that will ultimately determine a lot of what he can and can't be on offense and defense. And it's kind of the place where there's been a lot of conjecture about among Bulls fans as to, you know, what type of athlete he is, is he, what type of uh, position will he project to play in the NBA. So let, maybe let's start there. So in terms of who he is as an athlete, um, what, what do you project him to be? Is he is he... 
a long-rangey, small forward type? Is he someone that's going to sort of grow into his body and maybe become a, a more bulkier 4-5 type? What do you think his uh, athletic pri- profile sort of suggests, his biomechanics, these sorts of things? What position do you think he'll ultimately end up being? Yeah, so I think currently he is a he's pretty strictly a 4 with some small ball 5 ability. Um, his wingspan has kind of been rumored to oscillate between 6'11 and 7'2. I don't know exactly what it is. There's been kind of some you know, conjecture since we didn't get any official combine measurements um, from from one setting or one measurement group. Um, that makes it kind of tough. But I think that's where he'd be best suited. Um, his biggest issue, I think, as an athlete right now is that he has really tall and stiff hips. He has pretty much kind of a muscular imbalance. If you look up some pictures of him, he's got – gigantic quads and kind of itty-bitty calves. Um, yeah. And so he, you know, watching him in the ACC this year, he was getting beaten off the dribble by a lot of different guards and wings that aren't, that aren't NBA caliber players. Um, so I, I read after the draft, I think um, the Bulls said they think he can switch one to five and guard a lot of different positions. And that's fairly concerning if that's their idea of him. Um, I think he's strictly a four slash five at the moment. But the, um, the optimist in you know the optimistic lens is the idea that he is the youngest um, he was the youngest NCAA eligible player in this class. Um, I think Lamella Ball is a little younger, but obviously he played overseas. So um, there's some optimism that maybe um, because he's so young, you can maybe better better structure or apportion that 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 calf to, to thigh ratio um, and open up his hips a little bit, make him less stiff there um, because he is a really good vertical leaper. He's quick off the ground. He gets pretty high. Um, we obviously has that seven footish wingspan. We'll kind of approximate it there. Um, so I think at the moment you want to play him with that four slash five, but um, because he's so young, if you get him in the right physio development program, um, maybe he has some better movement skills and play a little bit of three. Um, but I would I would be pretty confident him staying as a four slash five most of his career. Yeah, look, I, I don't disagree too much based on what I've seen from him in at FSU. Let's say now maybe. Maybe for whatever reason, playing with FSU, maybe there's some scope that he didn't. We didn't necessarily get to see him, his on-ball skills, which maybe may lead people to think maybe he can get some time at three. I, I don't know, but yeah, looking from his pure body, I suppose, like he's he's an 18, 19 year old kid, and he's already what like 220, 225 pounds. Like you mentioned, his his legs are absolutely massive, and I mean the rest of his body is pretty big for his age. But the fact that his legs or his quads are so huge would lead me to think that that's just his natural body. So I don't know how much he can necessarily you know just take muscle from his quads, put some on his on his hand uh, on on his calves rather, and sort of redistribute the load. I guess uh, is is that even realistic to to think about? Like because I know again a lot of Bulls fans are hoping he can sort of change his body get a little bit thinner, trim down those legs, maybe put some more in the calves, and maybe he can become more of an explosive athlete, sort of fix up those hips. Is that a realistic expectation? Um, I don't, yeah, maybe I kind of, I conveyed that idea improperly. I think more the idea would have to be to loosen up and add some flexibility to his hips. Um, I think that would be the mm-hmm. biggest thing. And maybe, maybe what I, yeah. what I suggested is the way to do that. But I think there's some optimism there. Um, you know, just talking with a few different people who like Patrick Williams as a prospect and who have a fairly decent understanding of physio development and how that all works. Um, they seemed optimistic to me. So obviously, like I said, it, it takes the right physio development program and staff to unlock that, but I think there is a, a path toward it. Um, and then going back to the idea of him guarding threes slash fours, I guess the way I would best phrase it would be is I don't want him guarding many guys in the perimeter who have on-ball creation ability. Um, so he can maybe guard a three yeah. who's maybe 
not a, not much of an offensive threat or much of a shooter, so he can slack off and help help at the rim, which he's very good at. So um, I think the best way to phrase it, you know, for his defensive concerns would be you don't want him guarding on the ball against a guy who has any kind of semblance of, of offensive skill and self-creation ability. But there definitely are worlds in, in matchups where you can guard the three um, because, like you mentioned, he is so skilled offensively. I think that there is a path toward that. It's just a matter of understanding exactly what he's how limited he is um, defensively and where he excels. You don't want to take away him away from the rim because that highlights his issues on the perimeter and also eliminates some of his ability to be a help side rim protector. Yeah, look, that, that's a really good point. And, and I guess some of that context goes missing when we say, you know, is this guy a three, is this guy a four? Uh, is he your five? Because ultimately it's matchup dependent, right? So yeah, uh, guarding Jason Tatum is a very different assignment to guarding OG and Anobi, let's say. So yeah, I think that's that's a fair point and, and, and well noted, I suppose. Like, for example, I'm pretty sure he could guard Otto Porter, let's say, but you know, guarding Jason Tatum, that's maybe a different story. So yeah, that, that's that's all a good point. And it will be matchup dependent on how he maybe can project to that if he can play that three. Um, in the NBA, and like you, I was a little bit concerned, not concerned, but a little bit puzzled that the Bulls maybe sort of said, or they did say that he could maybe guard one through five, which, if that was the case, I mean, he would be projecting as like, you know, an elite, elite defender, there's not many guys that can guard one through five, so just that that comment alone was kind of weird, maybe they're just, that's them just trying to hype him up, but I I just don't see it at all in his game that he could really hang on the perimeter with, like you say, a, a, a ball creating or a dribble drive sort of creating a point guard, shooting guard, whatever it might be. That seems like a stretch to me. Yeah, it seems as his stock rose over the last three weeks or whenever it kind of began to rise, um, he started to become billed as this big wing stopper, this LeBron stopper, someone who can match up with LeBron and all these different things. I think Draft Express had a piece, a mock draft piece about him a few days prior to Wednesday's draft that kind of hyped him up or branded him as this. So I Maybe that's maybe that's just the Bulls front office, you know, pulling from that. But um, that's not something that I saw at all in my in my scouting of, of him, and I would be I would be pretty hesitant of that. But um, again, like you said, it's draft day talk. You don't know exactly how much credence there is to that or validity to it. But um, I would I would hope they don't you know try and use him in that way because it would kind of render a lot of his defensive upside um, negligible. Yeah, no, I, I I completely agree. But look, let's transition into the defensive side of the ball because I'm assuming that's where the most of his value will be, I guess, from day one, let's say. At least that's what he can bring straight away. Um, so what are his, you know, very high level, what are his tools on defense? What does he excel at? What is he not so good at? What should we be expecting from Patrick Williams, rookie Patrick Williams as a defensive player, you know, come, you know, in a month's time, basically, we're essentially one month away from NBA basketball starting up. What do you think uh, the most immediate skills that he can sort of transfer from FSU into Chicago? I think his best defensive skill and, and one that is pretty valuable, as I mentioned in that, that piece I wrote about him, is he is a very good weak side rim protector. Um, obviously, it'll take some time to adjust to the speed of the NBA game and um, and whatnot, and navigating some more complex off-ball stuff that happens in most NBA offenses compared to uh, NCAA and lower levels, but I think that's his best skill. Um, he he averaged a block and a steal um, per game at FSU, um, which is pretty impressive considering he only played about 22 minutes each night. Um, we had a block rate of um, 5.6, a steal rate of 2.5%, so two really, really impressive numbers. Um, I don't have the historical data there, but um, I just know kind of in, in conjunction. Anyway, in conjunction, excuse me, um, with kind of his other skills, that's a really impressive 
um, rate to produce. So um, that would be kind of his best skill. Where he kind of lacks is he can get a little ball-watching heavy at times, allow some back cutters, and because he has poor movement skills, he's not great at closing out or kind of maybe stunting to help on drive and then recovering back to a shooter. Um, so I think those are kind of some of his issues off the ball at least, but I do think he should be have some decent use as a uh, as a weak set protector at the four position, assuming that's where he plays most of the time. Yeah, look, I, I guess this is this is one of the, the more frustrations that Bulls fans, some Bulls fans have with it, the fact that you know we're having this conversation about him being more of a four, maybe even sometimes a five, but clearly this team has a gap at small forward, which the team would just or fans would just like to see Patrick Williams just slide into, and then you just have Lowry and obviously Wendell in there. Nothing changes. There's no need to be you know moving around the roster. I think that's why uh, a lot of people were maybe concerned about the pick, the fact that he's maybe projects more as a four, and what does that mean for Larry Markin and Wendell Carter going forward. I think that's why fans were a bit concerned. But I completely, again, I, I agree with you in terms of what he can do from a defensive standpoint. So is it fair to say his offense, sorry, his defensive value at this point will be more so, uh, more done in in passing lanes and in the paint, protecting the rim more so than sort of guarding out high and guarding on the perimeter. Is that a fair summation? Yeah, for sure. I think that his best help will come off the ball largely on the interior um, and then playing some passing lanes. He's also pretty good there, um, which I've talked about in my, in my piece. Um, I don't want to keep dragging people back to it, but um, but yeah, I think he's pretty good playing pass lanes. I didn't mention ever to steal a game at FSU. So. But yeah, for sure. I think you'll see his best skills would come as a defensive playmaker, especially early on. Um, and really, I would expect throughout his entire career, that's that's where he'll make his money. I don't expect him to be the guy who um, is, you know, compared to someone like Isaac Okoro, I don't think he's going to be, he's not this guy who's going to have all these on-ball situations and highlights where you're talking, oh, wow, look, at you see him lock up uh, star guard X or star wing Y, you know, so um, it'll come in, I think, a little more subtle ways, but still really valuable stuff overall. Yeah, not fair enough. And uh, the, the next question I wanted to ask about is uh, how, he's, how he goes in terms of guarding pick and roll, and particularly if he's playing the four or the five, then obviously he's going to be guarding the screen and potentially going to be switched on to some of these guards that we're sort of talking about. So maybe, you know, when Arturus says he can guard one through five, it's less so guarding a point guard for the entirety of a game, but more having the ability to maybe on certain possessions switch out onto a guard of sorts, whoever that guard may be. But I wanted to ask you, what what do you make of his ability to guard in pick and roll, maybe switch onto players in that specific instance? So, you know, hopefully not guarding a guard for the entire 24-second possession, but maybe for a couple seconds here and there, just switching and maybe holding his own. Is, is that something that's possible? And if not, do you see maybe guards, I'm sorry, teams and, and the guards of those teams sort of trying to expose him on pick and roll maybe. And I guess to that point, does he have enough north-south north south speed to maybe get back into plays if he does get burnt? I would be pretty hesitant, especially early on, wanting him to switch whatsoever. Um, but I do think, you know, maybe some others, maybe some other approaches, you know, where maybe he hedges a little bit um, or a quick show. Um, he has some ability, but he isn't very good laterally because he is or changing directions especially because he's got these, these such stiff hips, or at least you know what we saw back in March and February and whatnot. Um, I think it is really important, as you mentioned, that it's been a while since we've seen these guys, so things could change. But um, based off my current perception of him as a player and prospect, I would be pretty hesitant about him switching, um, even, in a, even in a pinch. Um, 
but but I think there is potential for him to be a pretty useful pick and roll defender because he is such a good athlete um, or vertical athlete at least getting off the ground. Um, I think he'll be able to at least maybe do some good you know drop back and backpedal and absorb contact against a wing or a, a guard who's trying to finish over him. Um, be able to alter the shot in that way, but um, flat out switching stuff, I'd be pretty pretty hesitant to to do that with him. Fair enough. So to me, at least based on what we've had, you know, the conversation we've just had what maybe we're sort of projecting him at this point. Obviously, things can change, but it sounds like Patrick Williams can be a very good defender in the NBA, but maybe maybe not elite. Is that a fair way to sum it up? Yeah, for sure. I think he'll be a pretty good one, um, and maybe even very good, you know, whatever, the semantics. But, yeah, I, I would be surprised yeah. if he's an elite defender by any means. But I think he, sh- he should be very good once he, once he reaches his peak in five, six, whatever years, however many years it takes, you know. Look, I'll take very good defender because the Bulls have very few good defenders. So if Patrick Williams can uh, project to be a very good defender, I will most certainly take that. Um, I want to come back and talk about Patrick Williams as an offensive player. But before I do that, let's tell the listeners about this week's sponsors. First, let me tell you about Indeed. 2020 has already reshaped how we work and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly, so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resume on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is the best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31. Terms and conditions apply. I also want to tell everyone about BetOnline. Football is back in full swing, people. You may not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at BetOnline. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you get in on every possible chance to win this season. From grain spreads and totals to team, player and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division and championship futures all day, every day. Head to BetOnline today and take full advantage of all their great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Right, back to the podcast now, talking all things Patrick Williams with Jackson Frank. Jackson, I want to transition to talking about Patrick Williams as an offensive player. I think that's maybe more interesting at this point because that's maybe where the scope of his career may be be dictated to some degree, I suppose, whether he can be something more than just a 3 and D prototype. So let's get into that. Let's transition into his offensive game. But again, starting at a very high level, what are the offensive skills that he showed at FSU that will transfer immediately to Chicago? I think he should be a pretty good spot-up shooter for a for a forward. Um, I know only shot 30% um, from three this year on pretty limited volume at Florida State, but 
um, from all the numbers I could find before his time at Florida State, he um, was in the high 40s on some, and a lot of the sample is pretty small, but high 40s there um, was obviously about an 81% free throw shooter, um, which is a pretty optimistic um, signal post. Was pretty good off the dribble too in a limited sample at Florida State. I think he was in the the 70th percentile on about 40 attempts, which again, small sample, but I think there are a lot of encouraging indicators that suggest um, he's going to be a pretty useful floor spacer. Um, He has to do better about increasing his three-point rate. He had tendency to kind of want to attack and drive off the catch lot when he had spot-up opportunities, but um, I think if you can iron that out to an extent, he should be a pretty nice floor spacer. Um, from the get-go as a as a forward because there aren't you know that's still even though that that idea or that concept has been expanded a lot for big men in recent years I do think it's still a fairly limited commodity and I, I think Williams should have some pretty nice use use there from day one. So in terms of his jump shot, like the mechanics look pretty sound. It sometimes it looks slower, sometimes it looks like there's a bit of a hitch to it, but there, there's a good foundation to it I suppose and. He does, or he's been projected as someone that can maybe potentially be a high-volume three-point shooter from that power forward position. Uh, do, do you think that's likely, that one, you know, he can sort of get up to a 35 36 37% as a three-point shooter, but maybe more importantly do that on a considerable a volume, maybe like five, six attempts per game? Is that realistic to, to think, or is he more maybe similar percentages, but maybe two, three threes a game? Yeah, I think I think obviously a lot of it is contingent on how much offensive usage he's given, but I think he could get to a yeah. like maybe forty percent, forty five percent of his shots are coming from three, um, and okay. so I think that's I think that would be pretty useful and a pretty good um, rate for him because as well I'm sure we'll talk about. So I do like a lot of his on ball um, potential, and I think he would be better suited um, in that way at his peak, assuming he can kind of actualize all this this upside and potential that he has. Um, than just being a spot-up shooter who 65 or 70% of his shots are coming from three on, on spot-ups. But, um, yeah, I think, I think I'm pretty optimistic about him being adaptable and, and being willing to shoot a lot, a decent amount of threes to the extent that defenses, uh, defenses have to respect him. Yeah, okay. Well, let's talk his on-ball creation because, look, we're recording this like an hour before free agency, and one of the things doing the rounds on Ball's Twitter, at least, was... Uh, this clip of Patrick Williams doing some scrimmage work, and it looked like it was pretty recent. I, I could I spotted Spencer Dinwiddie in the vo- in the video, so he was working out with some NBA bodies. And I suppose the the point of the clip was to to sort of highlight his his on ball skills, the fact that he does maybe have some more scope as a as, as an on ball creator. Certainly, it showed off some of his prowess as, as a jump shooter, both catch and shoot, and on on the off the bounce type stuff. But yeah, let's talk about Patrick Williams on, as an on ball scorer because I don't know if we saw a lot of that in FSU. Maybe that's because of the way they play, the fact that they run a deep roster, they pass the ball more, that's more so than dribble drive, um, from what I understand at least. Um, so maybe there's some hidden things there that we just don't know about Patrick Williams. I've also read up that the fact that before he had this massive growth spurt, he was a six foot point guard in high school, and all of a sudden grew eight inches and he turned into this, in, into this behemoth that we see now. So um, maybe there is some untapped potential there as an on ball scorer, and maybe that leads uh, more uh, or gives more scope to him being that sort of wing that that can create off the balance. What what are your general thoughts about him? As that, uh, or developing him as that on-ball scoring type. Yeah, I'm a I'm a pretty big fan of it. Um, I like I mean, I saw that video too, maybe an hour and a half or so before we recorded this. But um, you don't want to read too much into it. But from what I've heard, I know he worked. He's been working pretty hard on improving his handle, um, which is interesting because I think it was decent for a six-eight wing, but it was a lot of kind of maybe he had one 
one cutback, one little movie could do to create a little space, but nothing, nothing supremely functional or anything like that. So if he makes strides there, that would be interesting for expanding his on-ball creation. But I'm pretty encouraged by it. Um, he has a pretty high release point too, which helps him get jumpers off um, as a pull-up shooter. Really soft touch, um, a way better passer than his numbers suggest. I know he had almost a, a one to two negative assisted turnover ratio um, at FSU, but um, flash some really impressive skip path stuff, um, some lefty, some left-handed stuff. Um, pretty good interior passer too from the perimeter. So um, I'm really encouraged about his passing upside. Um, and it's something that I think if he's, if he's allowed to explore the depths of his offensive game and his his on-ball creation, that it should continue to shine through pretty heavily. And I think Bulls fans will be maybe surprised by how good of a passer they think he is or learn that he uh, he is. Yeah, okay, that's good to hear. But in terms, again, maybe adding some more context to it because being an on-ball creator can be many different things, obviously. And I, I know there's a lot of Bulls fans that have been in my mentions maybe sort of com- comparing him to Kawhi Leonard or Paul George or Jimmy Butler or something like that, which I... I uh, very much, um, I'm, of course, I'm hoping for. I just just don't think he's realistic, but um, I hope they're right. But in terms of like him him being that on-ball creator, that on-ball scorer, being able to dribble drive, those sorts of things, is it more as a secondary or t- even tertiary type creator, or does he have some scope in being a lead creator of sorts? Right now, I would say it's definitely more of that secondary role. Um, again, if, if he takes significant strides forward as a with his handle and um, his movement skills, I could definitely see him maybe being the occasional primary handler, but I think for the most part, you'll be seeing him mostly run side pick and roll stuff. Um, one to two dribble pull-ups, um, not a lot of spread pick and roll from the top of key, like, you know, a lot of like LeBron James, right? obviously the threshold by no means is LeBron, but that's sort of like that idea of these big wings like Luca and LeBron and even Jimmy Butler running a lot of pick and roll from the top of key. I don't anticipate him doing that. Um, but I think yeah. there is, you know, a decent amount of on-ball creation that he, you know, next to another handler or primary initiator, he should have some pretty good use um, to kind of vary the the looks that you know defenses are seeing from the Bulls. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's interesting because that look the again based on the film that I've watched, which isn't extensive, certainly not as much as you have. Uh, the hope for me was to be him to be like a really good three-point shooter and just have the, the enough dribble handling ability to maybe attack closeouts when maybe you know someone's running out to the three-point line when he's sitting in the corner. He's good enough to maybe put the ball on the ground and get to the rim that way. But if there's some scope for him to do a little bit more work, then that's potentially even more upside. So, the, so that, that that is interesting to me, I guess, if he can if he can develop develop that side of his game and the fact that he's recently just turned 19, maybe has some ball skills that we haven't necessarily seen uh, at FSU, and obviously he's had this sort of eight to nine month period here with just due to the pandemic that maybe sort of been working on those skills. Maybe there is more scope there, so that that, that is intriguing, I guess, and maybe that changes the projection about who he can be. But I wanted to talk about his his ability in transition now. The reason why I brought this up is per synergy data, at least, his transition metrics didn't grade out very well, which is kind of confusing to me given just the athlete that he is. I just I would, I would assume that he would dominate in transition, like be a really good uh, transition player, someone that would really um, lean into playing in a fast tempo type system. But for whatever reason, it could just be sample size. The the the, um, the synergy data for transition metrics weren't so great. Do you have any more context as to why that may be? Is there anything to really read into that? Is it just a small sample? Yeah. What, what what do you make of it? That isn't something that ever really stood out to me um, watching him at Florida State or even 
um, AAU and high school stuff. So I, I would probably chalk it up to small sample, but I do think he has some decision-making issues. Offensively, I mentioned him kind of um, being prone to attacking off the catch rather than taking open spot of threes, and sometimes that led to him barreling into a congested paint um, and stuff like that. So that is kind of a habit he'll have to work around or work through. Um, so maybe that's part of it, but I don't. There's nothing that really stood out to me watching him that would explain that number. Um, but I think okay. he should. I would be. I would be pretty optimistic about him as a like kind of a play finisher in transition, given his his quick leaping and his generally pretty good foot speed for not foot speed, but I guess just north south um, speed for for a big man or a for, forward. But there's nothing that really stands out to me from you know specifically that I ever that I ever saw um, in that sense. If he can get his shooting game down, which I, I think he can, then you know, as, as a trail option, as a catch and shoot option in transition, surely he'll be able to do that. And just the size of the man, just again running in transition with Kobe and Zach, I, I could imagine he could finish at the basket pretty well. So that was just a little weird to me, but yeah, if it's just a blip on the radar, then then, then so be it. So be it, I suppose. But um, yeah, I guess transitioning away from offense and defense and maybe looking at it more high level here and maybe just doing some um, some comparisons of thoughts. Maybe we can start here first, but what is the path for stardom for Patrick Williams? I, I know a lot of Bulls fans, again, coming back to draft night, were just deflated, thinking they, that we... We essentially drafted someone who projects to be a high-end role player, a 3 and D type player, and people were disappointed that that's what they got with their number four pick, and my counter to that was just always going to be that that's probably the most likely outcome for anyone that you would have selected at number four, but no less, that was still a a feeling that I sort of picked up amongst the fan base, but I guess trying to come back to maybe there can be something more with Patrick Williams. Is there a path for him being a star in this NBA? Again, that that term requires some context, but maybe let's just let's say a two to three time all-star. Is there a path for him to be that type of player and, and just how realistic is that path? Yeah, I definitely think there is. I think, you know, the basis of my 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 preference for him is this guy who hits threes at a pretty good rate and also protects the rim um, fairly well for a, for a power four, which are very valuable traits in a front court player. Um, and on top of that, if he is able to, you know, expand or build upon this foundation of skill, you're looking at a guy who can run some side pick and rolls and score off the dribble and is a pretty good pick and roll passer for a six foot eight forward. Um, and I think if all of that coalesces to kind of a, a 90th percentile outcome or, you know, kind of an ideal outcome roughly, um, you're looking at a really, really valuable player. Um, so I would say he could like maybe becomes a top 30-ish, top 40 guy, um, maybe a little higher in a couple of years, and those are the years maybe he makes the all-star team. Um, but I think generally speaking, you have the potential for a really, really valuable archetype as a, a three and room protecting forward with, with ball skills to create um, every now and then, which is, like I said, a really, really useful player to have in your roster. Um, I don't know exactly what chances that would give it, um, but I am pretty optimistic about him partly because he's been drafted fourth overall. I think that maybe helps um, expand how much he'll be allowed to do and explore the depths of his game offensively. Um, maybe the Bulls aren't ideal for that because they have Kobe White, who's trying to navigate things uh, as his own ball hand, young ball handler. Zach Levine obviously runs a lot of the offense. Wendell Carter has some ball skills too um, that hopefully the new regime tries to unlock more. Um, but I do think in the sense that Patrick Williams is the fourth overall pick, maybe his development will be prioritized more than, say, if he went 12th or something like that. But I, but I think there's a decent chance he actualizes a lot of this upside and becomes a, a star player, even if it's not some 25-point-per-game score or, 
or 25, eight and eight guy that we kind of associate the term star with, but I do think he could be very, very good um, if everything comes together correctly. Yeah, cool. All right. Well, look, I want to get into some player comps because they're always fun, even if they're completely reductive sometimes and maybe not complete comparisons. Um, I don't think you can find a perfect comparison for obviously for all these players, but the way I wanted to do it is maybe graded out as a, like a high, medium, or low outcome as to the type of player he may be. Let's say from a skill standpoint and maybe just sort of to maybe actualize it somewhat to our listeners. Like, you know, from a high outcome point of view, what does a player like Patrick Williams look like? A medium outcome, low outcome, etc., like that. So maybe we can go like that. I don't know, off the top of our head, think of some comparisons. So maybe let's start with the low outcome. Obviously, Bulls fans, this is definitely not going to happen, so maybe don't uh, don't get too worried about this. But in the rare chance, Jackson, that um, for whatever reason, Patrick Williams just doesn't materialize as a player, what's the low outcome of him as a prospect in terms of a comparison? Yeah, that's tough because I'm so bad with comparisons. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I would say his low outcome, um, or maybe the, I think maybe the way that I could best explain it how that would come about would be that the jumper never really comes around on a high enough volume to gain respect and these decision making warts and movement concerns on both ends um, really hinder him um so i know i'm kind of copying out of the the comparison thing but um, i think that would be the the biggest the biggest reasons to have concerns about him returning value as the fourth overall pick um i really don't have a, a comp off the top of my head yeah that's okay the the way i would think about that type of player i suppose is Maybe if Marvin Williams never really developed a three-point shot, something like that, it would, would that be fair to say? I mean, the, he's been comp to Marvin Williams, and I know, I know a lot of Bulls fans repel at that thought given Marvin Williams, a former number two pick, didn't really develop into the star that some hoped he would be, was taken ahead of Darren Williams and, and Chris Paul. So I understand why some repel to that. But yeah, maybe if maybe if he, the low outcome for Patrick Williams is some version of Marvin Williams and Marvin Williams who just doesn't necessarily develop those on-ball skills and those three-point shooting skills. Yeah, I think I think you can. I mean, I I think you kind of make that comparison. I think minus three-point shot is, is key, obviously, because I think kind of maybe a median outcome transitioning into that would be uh, Marvin Williams or so, maybe a little higher than that because of the the ball skills that we've referenced, but. Um, yeah, I think in that sense, I, I, that seems like a decent comp. But yeah, it's just tough for me. But I think that generally makes sense, especially if you emphasize him not becoming the, the floor spacer that, that Marvin really developed into in the latter half of his career. Yeah, so like for me, like from a, a medium outcome or let's say a realistic out, outcome, I keep coming back to someone like Jeremy Grant or OG Ananobi. Again, they're not perfect comps because someone like OG can really guard out, out on the perimeter, which I, I question if Patrick will have the ability to do. But from a... A size point of view, the fact that he's a six foot eight truck, you know, can guard fours, even guard some fives, um, that kind of outcome makes sense to me. And, and from an offensive role point of view, like clearly, clearly his role is a catch and shooter, but maybe he can do some things off the bounce or on the move and even clean up off the glass. Like OG kind of makes sense to me. So does the Jeremy Grant perspective, but at the same time. Um, if Patrick Williams has some, some ball skills, maybe those outcomes are kind of off as well. But do you feel an, an OG, OG Ananobi or Jeremy Grant comparison is somewhat reflective of, of what he can be too? Yeah, I would shift more toward Jeremy Grant just because I think OG, I mean, like, I don't exactly know what OG is going to reach at his, you know, his peak either since he's, he's only entering his fourth year. But I think Jer- obviously Jeremy Grant's not that much older, but um, is much more well-established as a player in the league compared to OG. Um, in terms of kind of at his peak or in his prime. Um, 
but yeah, I think that's reasonable as kind of this guy who can space the floor somewhat is a good weak seven protector. Um, I think they would both kind of have some offensive decision-making issues. I think that's part of Jeremy Grant's issues. He, he has some fluidity in ball skills, but he doesn't always capitalize them as well as he should because he has some decision-making warts. Um, so I think that, that makes sense. But I do, I do think Jeremy is a better is a better mover um, than Pat will. But I, but I think, generally speaking, that, that definitely is a pretty, pretty good proxy for what he could look like um, as a player. Yeah, maybe just to complete this off from a, from a high outcome point of view, look, I don't really know if it's a lot of players like Patrick Williams in the NBA. Like, because he projects as a 3 and D player, let's say, but the fact that his defensive upside comes more so as a, as a, as a weak side roamer, more so in the paint, less so on the perimeter. Like, there's not that many play, type of players in the league that at least spring to mind. So, I don't, I don't, I don't know if he's really a comparable player in that in that sense. So maybe he's this whole this whole exercise is kind of uh, pointless because I kind of feel like he's he's breaking away to it to an extent, and maybe taking pieces from player A, pieces from player B, etc. But I guess if I have to sort of commit to maybe a high outcome for someone like Patrick Williams and some version of Pascal Siakam is something I'd be hopeful for, a guy that can play four, can play five, maybe not that that primary option that you want, but as someone who can move off the ball, maybe do some stuff off the bounce, then maybe that's the high end of Patrick Williams. Again, not a perfect comp, but do you think that's reasonable if I want to be optimistic about this whole thing? I think the one that... the comp that I've been drawn to a lot is Paul Millsap. I don't think he'd ever be as good as prime yeah, Paul okay. Millsap, but um, yeah. as someone who has some decent floor, ball skills, um, Millsap obviously a very good passer for a front court guy. Part of Millsap's lure is he has a 7-2 wingspan, so once we figure out the official measurements for Pat Will, um, it'd be easier to you know see how much validity that comp has. But that's kind of the one that I've I've been drawn to as a high-end outcome. I don't think he'll ever be a, the top 15, top 20 guy that Millsap was in, in his prime for a few years, but um, I think generally speaking, you'd see kind of a similar um, manifestation of impact, even if it's not quite as high as Paul Millsap. But I do think kind of the general general theme there um, makes a lot of sense. Yeah, cool. Uh, well, look, that, that, that's interesting because um, Wendell Carter was being comped a lot to, to Al Horford. And uh, if, if Patrick Williams is getting a lot of comps to to Paul Millsap, then uh, yeah, that, that's an intriguing front court. That front court worked very well in Atlanta. I'd be all about that front court if they can put something together. If that's a, a realistic upside outcome, I'd be very happy with that. Obviously, it uh, throws into question what Larry Markkinen can be, which I'm sure a lot of fans maybe uh, are worried about at this point. But we will figure that out at a later time, I guess. We'll see how Patrick Williams obviously turns out as an NBA player. But look, we've gone deep on Patrick Williams. I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm more educated about who he is as a player Hopefully the listeners are as well. I just want to quickly want to hit on probably more so Devin Dotson than Marco Simonovic. I don't know if you know much about Simonovic. I certainly don't, but he was the Bulls' second-round pick. He's going to be a draft and stash option. He won't be coming over next season. So maybe maybe you can tell me more about Devon Dotson because, to be fair with you, Jackson, like I was only really scouting. I'm not a draft guy. The Bulls had the number four pick. I was sort of just looking at maybe 10 to 12 guys who may be realistic options at either number four or trade-up or trade-down scenarios. So I have no idea who Devin Dotson is um, from a, a ver- beyond a very high-level um, understanding of who he is. So maybe you can just school me on what Dotson is as a player. He's probably going to be coming through on a two-way deal. So um, 
we'll see how much he actually how much time he gets in Chicago. But yeah, maybe maybe if you can let me know and the listeners know as to who Devin Dotson is, what his game is like, and I've been hearing some good things. The fact that he went undrafted, a lot of people had him in in their mocks going late first or even early second, and the fact that the Bulls got him as an undrafted free agent seems pretty good. So that's encouraging to to me. But again, I don't really know much about him. So maybe if you can just give me your your high level thoughts about Dotson as a prospect. Yeah, I think Dotson was arguably the guy I was most surprised didn't get drafted on Wednesday. Um, I had him an early second round grade on him on my board. Really, really good um, driver and rim pressure guy. Pretty good finisher for a guard, strong, good balance, has some craft around the rim and craft getting to the rim. Um, his biggest issue offensively is he has a fairly questionable jumper and he's only about six one, six two. But a pretty good defender too, smart team defender, um, good on the ball, has some pretty significant lapses on both on and off the ball, and I think maybe his defensive impact could be overstated in that sense, or maybe it was overrated for some people. Um, I guess not anyone in the league because he didn't get drafted, but I think he's he's really quick, really strong. Um, the biggest thing is, like I said, he can get to the rim pretty pretty impressively for a guard. Um, it's just hard to make a living as a six one six two guard who has a questionable shooting projection. Um, but he was one of the best players in the country this, this past year, and I think, in my opinion, the best um, team in the country in Kansas. So. Um, I think he was definitely a very good pickup for the Bulls, um, especially for a team you know where if, if he if he works out, I think you know he has a different kind of complement to Kobe White, where you know Kobe has some issues with his handle and um, obviously got to the room a little more later in the year when he started to take off. But um, I think he's more of a pull-up guy and some of the step-back stuff. Um, so I think he I think he definitely was worth the flyer. Um, and the biggest thing you're getting is someone who can create advantages and get into the teeth of the paint. Um, in the heart of the paint, hopefully capitalize on that, whether it be as a scorer or a passer, but um, just really tough to make it as a, a questionable shooter in his size. Yeah, fair enough. Okay, that, 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 that's interesting. Obviously, he's a Chicago kid, so that's appealing. I know a lot of Bulls fans have, have picked up on the fact that he, he uh, modeled his game after Derrick Rose, let's say, or at least tried to be some facsimile of Rose. So anything Derrick Rose related around Chicago, people are going to buy into. So I'm, I'm sure Dotson will have a lot of fans in Chicago. The fact that the team sort of has seemingly picked up a player that maybe should have been drafted and got them got him for nothing, essentially. that That's appealing. Like I said, I don't really know much about him. It's a complete wait and see. Who knows if he gets any playing time, but it just seems like another good pickup from Arturish Karnaschovas, an upside play, which it kind of feels like this draft was. It's like Patrick Williams, some people thought it was a reach, but uh, I don't know if that's true or not, but it, it's completely an upside play. Someone like Simonovic taking him as a draft and stash, Maybe that's an upside play too, and it seems like Dotson may be that too. So, interesting draft from the Bulls. Jackson, I appreciate you coming on, man, and, and just going into detail with me. Like, you, you've certainly educated me more on this specific podcast, but, you know, the, the, the thing that you wrote up on Patrick Williams was the main resource I came, keep coming back to. So, um, yeah, thanks for coming on. Keep doing what you're doing. And, um, yeah, before I let you go, mate, maybe you can plug your work where people can follow you, because you do a lot of draft stuff, but you do a hell of a lot more as well. Yeah, so you can follow me on Twitter at JackFrank underscore JJF. All the sites that I write for are in my bio there, including my link to my Patreon. My specific sites that I write for, if you're not on Twitter, are Dime Uproxx, Fan Size of Setback, and SB Nation's Liberty Ballers. And then I'd also like to give a shout-out to, on Twitter, to Above the Break 3. PD Webb wrote a really, really good piece on Patrick Williams. Um, I think he advocated for Patrick Williams' as a top-five pick, and he was kind of his piece was kind of what inspired me to write about as well, so if Bulls fans are looking for an even more optimistic lens than I have hopefully provided, um, I would go there and go look at his Patreon because he does incredible work, 
and um, wrote something even more in-depth than me, and I think we'll have Bulls fans very excited about Patrick Williams. Perfect. That, that, that's awesome, mate. Uh, I really do appreciate you coming on and uh, sharing your insight. Uh, like I said, it's, it's made me a little bit more smarter about Patrick Williams. It's given me a little bit more... Um, Maybe a little bit more optimistic, let's say. So, Bulls fans, I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Hopefully, you are more versed on who Patrick Williams now is as a prospect. I, I certainly am. I'm getting more. I'm getting more into this pick. I think it's gonna. It's a pick that makes sense, and in the long term, it could be the right pick uh, in hindsight. So, we'll wait and see how obviously Patrick Williams turns out. We've got free agency just around the corner, so we'll see what the Bulls doing there. Obviously, not the Bulls don't have a lot of cap space, or they've got no cap space. Only got their exceptions at hand. We'll see how it plays out. They may, maybe, maybe swing a few trades or two. It could get interesting. We don't know what Arturis Konashovas is going to do, but once the Bulls start making their moves in free agency, Bulls HQ will be back to wrap up free agency. But until then, speak soon, Bulls fans. Rose Davis, historian and co-host of the sports podcast, Burn It All Down. And now I'm hosting the new season of American Prodigy, all about black girls in gymnastics. For the last 40 years, black gymnasts have moved from the margins to the core of the sport and changed gymnastics along the way. Now, they tell their stories. You'll meet trailblazers like Diane Durham, superstars like Jordan Childs, and everyone in between. Listen to American Prodigies on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.